and I think on my like ninth play, one of my friends was like, "People are watching now. It's just getting gross." Oh my god! Literally, <laughs> yeah. that that is the, that's Homer at the Frying Dutchman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said all you can eat. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Unraveling Podcast. I'm Matt and I make this show with my good friend, Ben Kelly. Hello. I do the technical bits and music and that, and Ben does, well, the actual content, which means he talks the most and he's responsible for sourcing the wonderful guests we have on from time to time. Usually we're gathered around the subject of news and current affairs, but often we bollock on about other shit too. Please enjoy. Hello, Ben. How you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Uh, I'm in quite a considerable amount of pain, though, because uh, did something a bit stupid earlier on. Okay, maybe we can talk about that after uh, we've let our guests speak. What are we talking about today? <laughs> um, <laughs> what we're talking about today, well, we've got our special guest, uh, Madeline Grant of The Telegraph, uh, Telegraph Commerce and Parliamentary Sketch Writer, and uh, has edited quite a bit of my work. So if anyone's expecting a hard-hitting interview, Shit. it's not going to be... Not going to be tonight. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk. We're, you know, we asked Madeline to be on, uh, and she agreed. And then we had to think about something to talk about. So it's a little bit tenuous. <laughs> but there's been a lot of uh, a little Twitter meme, which yes, the podcast is going to be based on a meme. A little Twitter meme going around of uh, people's first political memories, and uh, Madeline tweeted about that. And it's funny because I often think about that, and you know, how you got into politics, what your political awakening is and first memory and stuff like that so that's where we're going with this basically Welcome, Madeline. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks ever so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, um, no, pleasure is all ours. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. This is going to be weirdly like sick, sycophantic and grovelling. Is this what's <laughs> going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Just being nice, Matt. You're not used to seeing Ben nice. in different <laughs> modes. Actually, um, well, it's not what normally have, happens uh, here. Is it? Is it normally like sort of news night style, mateless? No, I just I just normally obnoxious and forget to speak to the other guests sometimes. I think, oh, and actually, um, this is the first time we've had a, a woman on the show as well. Really? <laughs> there you go. So if you have the uh, you have yes. the uh, honour of that. Amazing. I'm a, pi- a pioneer. Yeah. Wow. You were on the all female shortlist. <laughs> yeah, just me. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of there's a bit in um there's a bit in a Moonraker, one of my uh, favourite guilty pleasure Bond films, when um Roger Moore gets introduced to this female scientist and he's like, I'm looking for Doctor Goodhead, and she's like, You just found her, and obviously he thinks that Doctor Goodhead is a man, um and he goes, A woman, <laughs> mm, a woman, <laughs> a woman. <laughs> yes, 
Very much like that. But of course, it's been Bond, so anyone called Goodhead is obviously going to be a woman in the Bond universe. But anyway, oh, yeah. um... well, we'll be getting we'll be getting onto some of your little other nerdy interests. But first of all, jolly good. Now, so you tweeted about your first political memory, which I thought was quite interesting because it was um, Tony Blair coming into office, which is also my first political memory. But I was quite a bit older than you. I can't remember exactly how how old would I have been thirteen or something. And you were six. We have already talked about this before we started recording, so I'm going to rehash <laughs> a little bit. But you were six years old. That's very, very young to have one a memory even. Well, I mean, I suppose a few of us have a few select memories then, but a political memory from the age of six, that's quite interesting in itself. So Yeah. Well, I, I, there's a bit of bit of context to, to why I, re- I remember it so clearly. Um my parents had me quite, me and my brother quite late. And I think because they had us quite late, they, they were kind of of the opinion that they don't really want to change the way that they live their lives too much just because they had a couple of children. So we didn't Selfish. really get shown like normal kids TV. Um, we never watched, we do, didn't really have Disney. I remember once mum saying like, don't watch Cinderella because it will ruin the story or something. I was like, I think we know what happens in Cinderella, actually, Mum. But um, so basically, we didn't get normal TV, so we just watched whatever our parents were watching all the time. And so it was basically golf, tennis, and just constant the news. So the news was on all the time when I was growing up. So I had, even even six year old, I and my parents are um, classic countryside Tories who really hated New Labour. So I I couldn't help but get a strong sense that. Tony Blair was a bad man and I remember going to school and telling anyone who'd listened that he was a bad man despite not really knowing who Tony Blair was um, so that was that um, and then actually I remember shortly after Tony Blair took office I remember Princess Diana dying very clearly because that happened on my the day after my birthday and um a bunch of my mum wanted to go ahead with the party but I'm sure you, I don't know if I, you remember Diana's death as clearly yes very clearly, yeah. It was a very, it was a strange time, wasn't it? It was a very. I very... was devastated. Yeah, <laughs> I was. No, too. I mean, no. Uh, it's a, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm taking a piss. But, um, <laughs> but um, it's funny though because those are literally the two big political and cultural moments I can remember first uh, taking notice of. Mm. Um, also, the thing where you said your parents didn't want to grow up, but in a much lower brow, lower caste kind of way. <laughs> My my version is my dad taking me to the pub and sitting me in the uh, sitting me with a can of coke, but <laughs> <Let him. laughs> yeah. It was, if, it, it was the if, it was, if it was France, you'd have got they've got you drinking at an early rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. Um, but I did. I can remember because it was a big big moment. New Labour coming into office. I can remember it was quite a there was a, quite a lot of hysteria and a national moment. And my my parents were swept along with that because they were the kind of basically normal Tory voters, but I like a lot of Tory voters were swung by mm. the sort of national mood and also acted very, very weird when Princess Diana died. I remember my dad during the funeral um, got sort of pissed off by someone mowing the lawn like across the way that he left the house and went and fucking had a go really? at him. And I was like, and I was like, that's a weird thing. Too. I was about to be 11, uh, 12 <laughs> or something. I was like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, really? He's just mowing his lawn. Yeah. And I was like, Princess I was <laughs> Would Dinah have really wanted him not to mow his lawn? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I, I just remember being very, I'm not trying to paint myself as some very, you know, intelligent skeptic or anything. I just remember that point thinking, this is weird. <laughs> They're acting very strange. And it was a big thing. I kind of, I do sort of get it, but it was just, you know, off the charts. It was we just like, yeah. 
I mean, they didn't go into Buckingham Palace and cry at the gates, but they were acting like it was... It was a big thing, but, you know, there's all right to be upset, but... I think I guess it was this the sight of my dad getting like that because I was just like why are you being very this is not you yes I don't yes know. I wonder what your dad I'd... would make if you mentioned it to him now um, if you said look what, did you was it really appropriate to go across the road and try to you know switch off <laughs> well, yeah you so my dad's like, not with us anymore you... but I I've always wanted to uh, ask it ask God. him about that and sorry like my, no 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 it's fine we're over that <laughs> we're over it's fine we've we've we could ask him. <laughs> no, no, but like, <laughs> uh, like many, th- like many things, I didn't ask him about that. There's well, that I would have liked to have brought that up, but no, I wouldn't have dared. I don't think I was a bit of a fanny with my dad, to be honest. But um, yeah, yeah, and after that, um, I have to say that I didn't really have much of a political journey for about ten years after that. So there's nothing. Where where did you go from? Go, I mean, obviously, you're six years old, so if we could move on a stage and like wh- how that's how you're sort of getting into politics develops. Well, like I, I, yeah. I, I grew into a teenager and was just instantly a typical, typical teenage politics, really just basically socialist. How did you sort of develop? Politically? Well, I wasn't actually very interested in politics for a long time. Um, the thing that really got me interested was when Margaret Thatcher died actually, because um, that was, I think my last year of university. Um, and the reaction from uh, the left, I found it quite extraordinary. It, it was it was a kind of the, the level of like hatred and venom I found interesting. I wanted to know more about what it was that she'd done that made her such a hate figure. Because it was like off the chart, there were people I knew who I respected and who were always very nice to me who were saying things like, I'm glad she's dead. Um, and I thought, well, what could possibly justify uh, this? And then I started reading up on Thatcher and... Um, I was really didn't agree with everything that she did, but I I, I found her kind of inspiring as a, a a powerful political operator and somebody who could say um, I'm going to make tough decisions, um, even though there are there are naysayers. And I felt felt that she was very she had genuine pr- courage of her convictions, which you don't get in politics so much. And I remember thinking this is really quite um, quite this is quite rare when you compare that to the current crop of politicians where it's often not quite obvious what they believe. At least, you know, Margaret Thatcher had the benefit of being incredibly clear and, I think, but honest with voters. I think when you watch her in the House of Commons, it's a bit like you can watch Tony Blair without agreeing with a lot much of what he said. When he's in the Commons speaking and when he's... Um, well, anything in the media, really, is like they're, they're a cut above what we have at the moment. And... Um, it's weird you'd say about Margaret Thatcher dying because I was thinking, wasn't that just like a couple of years ago? <laughs> and now I feel very old. <laughs> I think it was um, must have been twenty thirteen or or around. Yeah, that I just time. I just I just looked it up actually because I was thinking was that, that was, was that? Oh my God, was that? It? it was quite a while ago actually, but still, still feel old. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's interesting what gets you like sets a spark off. I, I, yeah. I wasn't that. I, th- I used to think I was interested in politics because I had was really assertive about my opinions about things, but actually there was nothing really behind that. And uh, I didn't really rethink my politics until I voted Labour in 2010. And I was all over Facebook saying, vote for Labour, vote Labour, vote Labour. <laughs> and like, then obviously they lost. And I was a bit like, why was I telling everyone to vote Labour? And why was I seemingly so passionate about it? I don't... And then I th- I more and more I thought about it, I thought, I don't actually really have anything behind any of this. I don't know what I think about anything. Yeah. So I had a lot of years in the wilderness, and then I went to uni as a mature student, which helped because... My course had a lot of stuff about uh, politics on it, and was reading a lot of political essays and political history, 
and I found myself being interested in different things than I thought and being a bit more less less of a sort of on the left than I realized yes. Yes, and then and perhaps just, less, less tribal as well yeah yeah much less tribal and that, but even that's been a continuing developed thing because there was a while while it was um confused about what I thought that I thought I sort of got a comfort in being quite tribal and then I've, I've uh, gradually over time I've been comfortable with just not supporting supporting a, a team yeah and just having my own beliefs about things and I would happily vote for anyone who was close enough to those beliefs so yes yes me too me too yeah I actually I, I don't really like um especially now I'm working in journalism I don't really feel comfortable having a being a member of a political party or anything like that I did I, when I did used to work for the Conservative Party as I worked for an MP as a researcher and um, writing speeches and that sort of thing, um, and I, I, I briefly joined the Conservative Party because my mum told me that my granddad, who I was very very close to, um, and he was he was he was kind of my hero. He, he was not from a wealthy background. He grew up in North Wales um, at a time in the nineteen twenties, and it was incredibly poor sort of childhood um but he'd been a, she told me when he died that he'd been a lifelong member of the conservative party um and and it really struck me that he'd been a card-carrying member he'd never talked about it but so I joined yeah. up um and and then I worked for the Tories for a bit and I, I really hated it actually I really hated my time in the House of Commons and um I I then left the party and I've never been a member of a political party ever since because I don't like the idea of having a a team that you're kind of, um, mm. I feel like yeah. that it's the relationship is wrong. I, th- I think, think political parties should be trying to win over you. Um, and you, it's, you, a, it's a weird thing actually, because you, you all, I also see why, why they the need members, members, but I also just think being one is, is just doesn't feel right at all. And I, I was saying, I had a, I think I was a Labour member for a while, much a long time ago. And then yeah, I was a, a member of the Tories for a while. And at one point, because I was, well, I like to do to get to find out more about things. I like to just like get stuck in and go to go to meetings and stuff. So I was going to a lot of different political meetings, including UKIP ones and Leeds, different UKIP ones to find out where back when UKIP were interesting. Yeah, uh, two thousand fifteen or something. And I met a lot of different people, so I became a member. I think I was at one point I was a member of all of them. Really, the three like main three parties because I was trying to because after you go to so many meetings, they start saying, "Well, are you a member or not?" So. Um, <laughs> what are you fucking doing? Yeah, why are you here? Um, because I was just to get into the conferences and stuff, um, and find out more about what the people are like, and uh, we find out quite a lot of surprising things. But and then later on, I was I was a member of the Tory for similar reasons. I was just thinking you know, it's sort of like almost dutiful being yeah. a member of some political party. Um, but yeah, similarly, I just was like, this is just stupid. And yeah, just I don't understand. I it can't sponsor. I can't like pay them or be a member of them, whatever they do. I, I'm just going to lend someone my vote each time. Yes, if exactly. I can be bothered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you yeah. don't want them to get to take that vote for granted. I think that's when bad politics happens. So, uh, Madeline, this is... I was thinking a little bit about how to get round to talking to you about this. So you've got a few interests, and I think on Twitter I've actually called you a nerd a few times, <laughs> which 
By the way, it's not an insult because I'm a nerd about lots of uh, lots yeah. of. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very. You know, I'm very. Got some. You weird, don't know someone. It's quite insulting, isn't it? No, no. But well, I'm trying to explain that. If you just shut up a minute. <laughs> oh no, um, it's fine. I know. That, I, I, can, I, I know that Ben is just as nerdy as me, so I take it in the spirit in yes. which it's intended. Good, good, excellent. So, what? I, I, rather than just saying, "Oh, you're a nerd," talk about your nerdy hobbies. But what I wanted to say to you is, have you like me? during the lockdown and the pandemic and being stuck up, sort of fallen back on some of these things as a real comfort oh, to you. A hundred percent. Whether yeah. it's watching Bond or Harry Potter, whatever oh, it might 100%, be. A hundred percent. I have been, I got back into lockdown one. I met, started making Airfix models, which is something I've not done since oh, I was wow. a child. Really? Um, my brother is a huge fan. He's much better at making them than me. Um, but we got back into that again. It felt like the right time to get back into... Because yes. in, in lockdown one, there was literally nothing to do. <laughs> Definitely, and, yes, yes. And the weather, the weather was really bad. Um, and also, I think it was a genuinely terrifying at that time. So you didn't even... You know, there was a time when people were quite scared to go and meet up even out of doors. So your options were very limited. So I did things like making doing jigsaws, FX models. It was like a mixture of weird geriatric hobbies and weird child hobbies. Um, yeah. And then I started watching a lot more... Uh, going back and watching lots of James Bond films. Also with, with my brother, we, we, we started doing this thing where we, um, we take it in turns to make food um, that's from... So we watch a Bond film and then you have to cook food that is relevant to the film. So so if it's set in Italy, then you can have pasta. Um, we did Japanese last time, but you only live twice. So it did... Christ. It felt... Yes, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, It's obviously it's very, it's very lame, but it has been fun to do um, lots of different cooking. I'd laugh at you if it wasn't the fact I was surrounded no, by is, so, yeah, like some... My my, it's funny you should say about the um, building the planes thing because instinctively want to laugh at that and the fact that you just said you made food from different Bond things. But <laughs> my, I'm sitting in I'm sitting in an office now, which I'm rearranging to accommodate all the Lego that I seem to have acquired because a year ago a year, <laughs> it's children's you toys. Have, yes, you've got kids, so you have an excuse. <laughs> I mean, sort of, but the in the reality, I kind of have got an excuse, but the reality is that. At one point, he got he got my son George got this Lego model, and it took us a year to build it because I was just so uninterested, like, yeah, yeah, ugh, whatever. And then suddenly, like in lockdown, we were doing something. We finished that, and I was like, "Wow, this is I quite like this, quite relaxing." And then I just bought all the Lego in the world. Oh, and, amazing! Uh, and it's all Marvel themed because that was another one of my p- things. I was like sort of into Marvel before, but I suddenly found the comfort of superhero films just like. Or Marvel films specifically, just a big thing. <laughs> I watched them all with my son, which was a nice bonding thing, and then we watched them again, and it's just like this is a much simpler, nicer world than pandemic world. Mm, so yeah, it's just like exactly. falling back on these things. And yeah, so I'm not going to make fun of you. Some of the weird things we were watching films and then playing, buying the Lego from the films as yeah. a 35, 36 year old man. Yeah, is is just a little bit weird, but and nerdy. But um, what about you, Matt? Have you got anything equivalent to that? Oh God, no! I literally don't. I did not expect you just to turn around to me there and say that. No, 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 God, no, no, no! no. I mean, no. The difference. I, I think the difference is you just watch all the TV in the world, doesn't you? I do. I just watch all the generally. Just watch all the TV, all the films. It's just like a big hobby of mine generally. So it's just, it's yeah, been good. It has been good for that. Um, what have I been? I did the jigsaws, like like yeah. like Madeline. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, we got a Cold War Steve. 
uh, jigsaw which was which looked i felt like hip as fuck buying it and then we, we started doing it and it just it just became impossible it's all just like sea and sand it's just, it's just impossible and that's the one that we actually stopped on um, oh god I've, I, yeah. I was i was at a particularly fragile moment mental health wise um last spring and i was really missing my family a lot um I had I had sort of had, I'm usually, I'm very close to my parents and my grandma who's she's 93 but I I usually would see them a lot and visit them a lot so it was really hard not not having them around and um and mum sent me this jigsaw of Warwick like medieval map of Warwickshire where I'm from and some of her own jam and a picture of my dad next to the cherry tree in the Aww. garden and I literally just started bawling my oh, eyes out nice. I just I, I died um <laughs> it was it was like that was a moment I really remember because I had just you know, it's like when you, if you watch a sad film when you're already a bit sad, you know, Bambi's mum dying can affect you like so much if you're already on the edge. Um, this yeah. has got me completely. Matt and I are big, big criers to films and TV. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> we talked about them before. We are, uh, especially as we got older, just like <laughs> pathetic now about like, oh God, this reminds me of my dad or something. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we're. I've really got quite, but it's weird because I, I like, like, yeah. Now, like, I remember when I was a kid, it would be like we used to take the piss out of my dad if, like, like my mum would be like, "Ah, dad's crying," like, <laughs> because it'd be, and be watching something. So he was like very stoic. But if, if if ever the veneer was broken, we'd all like point and laugh at him. I am but the, the, but, like, it's now, TV. Now it? I, I fucking laugh at anything, and I like try and encourage my son to like. To, to, uh, and if he's crying, I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, let's all let's both cry together. That's brilliant. I just wonder what the hell that's doing to him. Like, when the first things that made me cry were animated things like The Simpsons, oh, God. Moment, yeah, yeah. Moments in Simpsons, which coming back to things about home comforts, I was obsessed, like, obsessed with The Simpsons when I was younger, and um. To the point, it was the person that quoted it all and knew it all and would read all the books. I had all books and toys. I bet you and can whatever. still quote it brilliantly. Yes, I do. But uh, and and then there came a time when I decided to stop watching it because like, stop watching the repeats because now you're killing it. Just just leave it a while and then come back to it. And I did for at least a decade. And then it came all on Disney Plus. I was like, this I'm gonna rewatch it in lockdown, and it's been a right treat because. The, the the prime Simpsons, you know, when it was really, really good in the first eight or few seasons is just so good. And my the amazing thing about it, and I was astounded by this, is uh, my son, who's uh, just turned eight, loves it and always has to watch it, even though he doesn't get 90% of it. That's, it, that's it, what it is. That's the genius of the Simpsons. Uh, the, Everyone can enjoy it. The genius of it is, that one of the genius things I realised is it's got those sort of adult themes where it just stops from going over the edge. And it's just at that age of curiosity at eight, about all kinds of things, politics, sex, uh, being a child, all kinds of different issues, and coming into adulthood, the way it's just a little bit too far for his level of understanding, but he's got that peaks his curiosity a little bit. And I was always surprised by the some of the language in it and the mentions of sex in it. Like, uh, it's very 90s that it wouldn't ha- I don't think it would happen now. Like, I'd, yeah, I'd talk about sex, and Bart says stuff like, get bent, just a bit like, mm. all right. Um, and so he's learning quite a lot from it, and he likes Futurama as well. But but yeah, and and even at one point, and quite a few times, as my eight year old been watching it, and my three year old's been watching it, and he's just Matt Groening 
said that he made the characters yellow to make kids watch it, and boy, that just seems to it just works. My three year old said, "My three year old says, are you watching Mr. Simpsons?'" And then he's, he watches it. <laughs> no idea what's going on. Oh, that is cute. And, then, and my son laughs his ass off. It. There'll be loads of bits where he's just like I don't understand any of that, and he'll say to me, "I don't understand that," but it's funny. And I, I remember there's even bits now still in The Simpsons where you occasionally watch it and you're like, hey, I get that bit because I've seen that film or I've watched that thing or I know about that part in history. That's yeah. the great thing about it. It's I know, like mining it's, all the different bits really, of knowledge. There's kind of, it's almost, I'd say it's like a kind of weird postmodern significance to those of us who grew up on The Simpsons because you often encounter things as an adult that you realise you experience first through The Simpsons. Yeah. So yeah. I remember watching, yeah. Yeah. when I first watched Citizen Kane, a few years ago, yes, yeah. I remember watching it and being like, "Oh, it's like the Rosebud episode in The Simpsons." You know, yeah. <laughs> but even the, I, I saw like, the Shining before The, the Shining, shining. And, you know. exactly. Um, and it's like this weird back to front experience of of high culture because it's an incredibly learned show. It's got you know the the people who made it obviously incredibly well steeped in art literature. Not just high culture, but also low culture. Because I'll tell you what, there's other, in our family, we quite like meatloaf. And the only reason we like meatloaf is because I really <laughs> wanted to eat it after seeing it in The Simpsons. They eat meatloaf <gasps> oh, yeah. and they have ketchup on it. I was like, God, that oh, looks I thought awesome. Oh, you about meatloaf the singer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yes, you were talking about meatloaf the singer, yeah. You're right. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meatloaf, the actual yeah, no, you're meat, right, you're right. It's like It's like one of the things that <laughs> Marge is like best that. at making, isn't it? He yeah. always, they always compliment her recipe. Or even though, yeah, other American things that they about when you're younger, talk that everything he's eating looks good, and yeah. just all the cultural references. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a great, great. I mean, it, whatever it's become, it was don't talk quite about amazing it for its time. Yeah, <laughs> it we don't, was. We don't, we don't. I, I always long to yeah. have waffles for breakfast. Um, and <laughs> yes, Mum said, yeah. "No, you can't because it's just all sugar." Um, and that's what American breakfasts are. It's, it's all sugar. It's that they have these mad cereals that you'd never get past the nanny state in this country. Oh yeah, well, when I went to, um, <laughs> I mean, I was about eleven when I went to Florida, and having the, oh, um, I had the, we had the breakfast buffets. That's the thing I remember. Not never mind Disneyland. <laughs> it was the eating blue jelly or and or jello as they call it, and just fry ups and then pancakes and just like everything just oh, I, I still maintain that I, I gained a stone and was pretty much fat until I was about seventeen because of that. that I was pretty much cho- I was a tr- I I mean it, I think it's true. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm trying to think if it's a warts memory, but I'm a pig naturally. And I just remember my parents still comment on it and my friends will say that when I get going it's quite Homer esque as in disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's quite disturbing. Yeah, it is quite disturbing. It is a bit like yeah. that. I remember I went to a, um all-you-can-eat place where it just said, it's you know, nice all, to be around. <laughs> <laughs> all around the world, all-you-can-eat place. And I think on my like, ninth plate, one of my friends was like, people are watching now. It's just getting gross. Oh, my God, literally, <laughs> yeah. that, that is the, that's Homer at the Frying Dutchman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You said all-you-can-eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a bit like that. In a really shameful and not actually that very funny way. Um, so I try and limit myself there. That's why I'm not 17 stone. Um, what was I talking about? Eating. Might help. I'm drowning. Yeah, Madeline, you seem to have this um, obsession, though, with the other cultural touch points, which I don't actually share. I think because you're slightly younger, mm. but with Harry Potter as well. Harry Potter, yes. My wife also right, shares yes, that. Yes, I'm a bit, um, 
Potter. Yeah, I've always yeah, might, been mad yeah. on Harry Potter. I, I read them from quite a young age. I think I, I got into it when the Chamber of Secrets came out. So this was I was on it quite early doors, like 1998, 99, something like that. Um, and I just thought it was the best thing ever when I read it. I, um, I got obsessed. Um, I was convinced I was going to go to Hogwarts. Um, I even there's a, there's a there's a guy called Neville Longbottom, and in the first book he. Um, he's mad from a magical family, but he doesn't have any magical. He's not showing his magical powers, and his family... into an incredibly handsome man for some reason. Yeah, he's turned into he's turned into a real um, real heartthrob now. Um, uh, but uh, he was quite. I guess they didn't know when they cast them, for example, that, that which ones were going to turn out to be incredibly good looking. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't Sorry, know. Go on, go on. But anyway, um, <laughs> Neville's grand granddad like throws him off Brighton Pier which sounds a bit drastic, but it's to see if his magical powers kick in. And I used to do things like I once jumped off my own wardrobe because I was like, oh, my magic powers will kick in. And I sprained my ankle. <laughs> um, That's great. So, how, how old were... Sorry. I think just, I was about eight. I don't want to... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was really determined. And then, of course, it never happened, but... Um, it's not much different from I think at that age I would have been we would have been playing wrestling. It's funny because my my boy said earlier we were we were doing wrestling in the in the uh, playground. I remember doing that with with you know copying wrestling and then basically like crippling each other. Yeah. Boys crying because you've broken their neck nearly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think I'm gonna laugh at you about reenacting that. My wife absolutely loves Harry Potter, but she was fascinated mm. by the fact you were in the was it in the you in the semi final of Mastermind? Yeah. 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 Wait, wait a second, Ben. So you didn't you didn't then take that obsession all the way to appearing on a, a, a television <laughs> program? No, but no, but if they wanted to do Mastermind, as an adult, about, if they wanted to do the, if they wanted to do Mastermind about the Simpsons or probably yeah. some Marvel universe I mean, I'm stuff, I'm sure they would. They'd let you. They would yes. definitely let you. Yeah. Then I would do that. It just carried on and carried on. I never stopped being. I would always read the Harry Potter books every year. And then I read, I remember once being on holiday and it rained. It was, my parents always go down to Cornwall, but it, it was, weather is to, often a complete lottery. So we had one, one day when we were there for two weeks and it just rained constantly. So you couldn't do anything. So I just I remember reading all, all five or so of the books that I current, that were currently out at that time. And then I got to the end of the fifth book and it was only about a week and a half through the holiday. And then I was just like, well, I'll just start again. And I read from the Philosopher's Stone again, you know, like just crazy stuff like this. And then my best friend at school, Sasha, was also nuts about Harry Potter. We used to do weird, like Harry Potter themed expeditions and this kind of thing. So I basically had a collaborator and that's what I carried on. Um, and then I've always loved quizzing and I applied to go on Mastermind. And I couldn't believe it, but they actually let me do Harry Potter. Even You'd think it would be such a popular topic. Um, but then after I did it, they, they've now banned it because so many people have done it. So I think I might be the last ever person that gets to do Harry Potter on Mastermind. Nice. Hey, I, um, all the way through this podcast, I've been defending you, but I think you went a bit off the scale there. With the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's probably a bit harsh coming from me. I've got. I don't. I'm maybe not quite as upfront about how obsessive. How's the Lego, things, Ben? But... <laughs> <laughs> quite weird. My wife comes in and just looks and it's like, oh god. I thought You've this was a safe space, and I'm, I'm being demonised. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you're quite you're quite right to bring up the Lego. You're quite right because uh, my wife's had to put up shelves, and I've actually got rid of books so that I have space to put some of the Lego. It does look like a child's room, and I've said, I said to my, my wife, sometimes gets annoyed that I have an whole office room space. And some even when I haven't written anything for about four months, I'm like, this is a writer's space. I'm a writer. 
<laughs> I need the space. Um, so, okay, I'll compromise, and the kid we can make it a bit of a playroom. The kids, some of the ki- kids' toys. Like, in it, I think but having the just... Lego there is quite. It's like the kind of thing you get at Google or Apple, where they'll have sort of nap pods and. Yeah, yeah that's what it is actually. Yeah. That's, like, that's what it is. It's for brainstorming. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm sort of a just like an orthodox sort of genius, like Steve yeah, Jobs sort of type. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not not a child. Oh. Yeah. Just like Steve Jobs. I had a random thing that I wanted to say. Well, it's not random because it's based on um our guest. But um so so I did some terrible like, you know, preparation, which I did five minutes before we uh, spoke to each other, which was to just type in the words Harry Potter <laughs> and <laughs> James Bond, which is the things that you the that you that you like madly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, into YouTube and see what see what came up. See what came up. Um, one of the first things that came up was some a video made by somebody. It seems like it was probably a child, but it was they did they did, they'd laid over a uh, a song by Scouting for Girls. See, I thought the song was actually uh, the song they'd made the song for the video, but apparently they hadn't. So the song is like the guy imagining. Oh uh, yeah, wants I know to be James song. Bond. Yeah, yeah. You heard, do you know that song? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've never heard it before, but but there you go. It's a scouting for girls. It's not, it's not a great song, but I do remember it very, very clearly. It's not a great song. And then this person, I assume it's a child, has yes, uh, has has laid over like, like it's like uh, Harry Potter is like wishing he was James Bond, basically, mm. which is a nice little sentiment, I assume. I mean, it's 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 very nice, and, it, and it's like it's like seven seven years ago or something. It's I think, and it's like fifty odd thousand views, so it's very popular. Um, and it's some nice comments underneath. So like, oh, cool. Ha ha. Very funny. dude. I'm reading them now. Very funny, dude. P.S. Harry Potter is awesome. Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> plays him very well from a very young age. Nice, positive. Um, great video. People saying lovely things. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe totally should be the next James Bond. Ah, God, no. Then we can, then we can all make jokes about how we want Voldemort being Harry Potter's boss. Oh, uh, God. Because it's the same, obviously, same guy. I mean, it's obviously children. It's nice. Um, then there's some further down where it's like, oh, thumbs up if you want to be Bond. God, this is so bad. Please take it off. Um, this one is I prefer Harry Potter. There's some like there's a competition here going on. Potter forever, Bond never. I hate James oh, Bond. Good Lord. I wasn't aware of this rivalry. <laughs> In the middle of it, though, there's this comment which is way too short to be Bond. On top of that, he's Jewish. Ian Fleming <gasps> would roll in his grave. <laughs> And I'm just wondering, know. like, Madeline, what do you have to say about that? You're not launching a I question mean, off that. What is the matter with you? What do you have to say about that, Madeline? <laughs> <laughs> Defend Harry Potter fans. I'm just saying, no, I don't want to put Ian it to you. Ian Fleming but... would roll in his grave, he says. We have J- Jacob Bond. Um, I don't know. Um... Ian Fleming apparently hates short and Jewish people. Well, my, my issue with Daniel Radcliffe That's would embarrassing. Just be that he's, he's, so, he's so woke and it would be awful. It would be horrible, like, worthy Bond, so you'd have... The Bond would be like Where'd shagging the, the woman and then every two minutes he'd be like, is this okay? Is this okay? Uh, it wouldn't be very Bond at all. Um, that would be my issue. I don't, I don't really care if Bond is, I'd be very happy with a black Bond or a Jewish Bond. Um, but they just have to, they have Madeline, to be like... Madeline, yeah. can I stop you there? Because I just want to say that Matt has basically put you into a strange position. And I just want to say that a lot of people that we know think that I'm the one who will put people in that kind of weird position. But I just want to remind, I think I've brought this up before, but on the day after my wedding, Matt was a guest at my wedding. And the next day, 
he was next standing next to my father-in-law, one of my close friends, and my father-in-law said, oh, I've got my neck, it's really aching. And he said, must be all the cock sucking. <gasps> so that that's the kind of pair that Matt is. Oh, my so God. We're just gonna, we're I just going to... I don't remember saying it. So. <laughs> quite impressive, the morning after a wedding. It is quite really impressive. Wanking. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard, and I'm, I like him more for it. But... <laughs> That's just kind of guy he is. So I just would like to ask you, launching from what he said, but less trying to put you, like, be weird, is say, who do you want to be the next James Bond? Oh, Come I on. Don't, oh, good question. Um, I, I must say, of all the people whose names have been kind of touted, I don't really, I, don't, I think, I'm sure they'd all be good. I haven't, I just don't feel particularly... Exactly, Tom Hardy, I agree. Sir, Tom Hardy, <laughs> we all agree on Tom Hardy. Oh, I'm not sure about Tom Hardy. I think... Uh, have you not seen him in? Have you not seen him in? Got have a woman. Have you not seen him in the the Cray films? I really fancied him in that, so I'm up for that. Saw him twice in that, yeah. I agree. I think he might be a bit similar to Jack, what Daniel Craig did, kind of being like hunky, yeah. sort of aggressive Bond. He is, but I don't want to move yeah, on. I'm not ready to move on. I didn't. You see, I like Daniel Craig, but um, or at least I feel he's brilliant. Casino Royale is one of the very best Bond films, and then it's gone a bit downhill from there, I think. Um, and I actually would quite like to go back to something a bit more, I don't know, a bit more dapper and a bit less like Jason Bourne. Why did you think it got downhill? Because a lot of people thought it went downhill was because that Spectre was a bit more campy, James Bondy. You know, wouldn't isn't that no, what you would like? Uh, I, I get, I get exactly. You got, got to just change direction. It's got to be something different. Yeah. It's gonna be if you're gonna be chunky, muscly bond. Yeah, exactly. But that. why did you why did you dis, why did you like the later like Spectre or whatever? Well, if they, you they like all, the all, I, but I personally think they're all rubbish after Casino Royale. I didn't like any of them. I hated Skyfall. I know a lot <sighs> of people like Skyfall. I really didn't <sighs> like it. Um, like, what about the what's the what's the one that everyone hates? The second one that everyone hates, Quantum which I actually thought was great. Yeah, that's great. Ninety minutes of tight James Bondness. Come on. Well, I thought there was some really good. I thought the scene when they're doing the car chase and um, they've got the Sienna, the horse race, and um, the scene at the opera is amazing. But there's some good bits. But on the whole, yeah. it's very forgettable. And okay, so you're the you're the Bond you're the Bond expert. So what? I mean, I just yeah. it's, I'm not the I'm not a Bond fanatic. So what is the perfect Bond film? And what? And yeah, you haven't actually answered yet. So who's the next Bond that you would like to see? And what what makes a good Bond film? What is it you want to see out of a Bond film? Well, I think um. I I loved Timothy Dalton and he only did two films because License to Kill wasn't wasn't commercially very successful. Um mm. it didn't help that they brought it out I think they brought it out in the summer and it was a summer when there were lots of other blockbusters that year, like the the Indiana Jones film and a bunch of other things. So it didn't do very well. And then they basically went on hiatus and they never gave Timothy Dalton another shot. But I, I think what he tried was trying to do, which was to be um quite a sort of a sort of What's the right word for for what he was trying to do? Quite sophisticated Bond. Um, he doesn't treat women like dirt, but equally he's quite hard. He's quite dark. Um, he's he, he's not being silly like Roger Moore. Um, but there is the odd bit of silliness. But I thought that more serious sombre Bond was quite a good thing that they were onto. Um, and since then, they've Daniel Craig I think tried to replicate that, but he ended up making it this big tortured, constantly tortured thing where you feel like he's just yeah. Bond is just in. Yeah, they tried to make the, the, the progressive Bond that accidentally rips a, a human trafficking victim as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. After they've raised that as a plot point, they mention it and you think, well, this is a really big topic to have brought in. And then it's like, well, no, she's going to be treated like every other Bond. So far, I mean, I thought it was one of the funniest things ever just because how ridiculous, how thoughtless it is. 
he rescues her. It's like, I, you know, he's a real good guy. It's like, and, and I, I've identified you as a human trafficking victim. Yes. I'm going to yes. rescue but we're going to bang first, all right? You know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he gets in, he, slip, he slithers into the shower and she's like, well, obviously I'm up for this because clearly. Yeah. And that's that. <laughs> he doesn't work very hard to save She her, dies there. She's like, oh, whatever. Waste yeah. of good scotch, he says. Bastard. <laughs> It's a terrible, terrible... It's, it's really... The worst thing about... It's very strange, isn't it, for the, trying to be a modern Bond? Skyfall thinks it's such a progressive film, but it's got it's got this... this The way it treats such a weighty topic is actually a lot worse than anything in Sean Connery, because at least Sean Connery it doesn't say, oh, Pussy Glore has been a victim of sex trafficking, and then he does the stuff. Like they, they, in, in Sean Connery, it's like they, they, they don't develop them to that level, so to develop it and then mm, to discard yeah, it yeah. so thoughtlessly is actually, I think, worse than the Sean Connery yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. Because it's not, it's not tongue in, it's not, it's not tongue in cheek. <laughs> it's like they're trying to be serious yeah. and then they forget themselves. I guess that's what happened. Maybe I don't know what, how the production works, but you get that sometimes in disjointed films because it's a big Hollywood blockbuster and it's like someone's written something and then someone else writes something and then it's like, yeah, someone else has been like, oh yes, we'll do this real cool progressive bit, and then he's like, oh well, he's got to have sex with her clearly. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm not saying that's how it works, but it does seem it just seems so thoughtless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I never thought about that when it was written about afterwards. I don't want to be like, like I'm not. I, I remember watching it and thinking, "Oh, that's good." And then someone pointed out that is, that's a bit weird, isn't it? And I was like, "Yeah, that is a bit strange." <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. But no, I know I don't know who I'd want okay. to be the next Bond, but um, I think I'd just like them to pick up where Timothy Dalton left off, basically, and a bit more of that. Okay. Well, hmm. Jeff Goldblum, too old. <laughs> He's got that kind of that kind of that. sleuthy thing about him now. Yeah, he could beat in a Bond film. <laughs> All right, um, Madeline, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. It was very nice to speak to you finally. Yeah, I'm really sure. nice to meet you too. Yeah. Wow, she's just left. Very, yeah. very, very, very just abruptly. Like, oh, good, good, good. Because that you got to, aren't you? You got to rip off the plaster <clears> when you're on a call. It's like on a on a wet call. I'm like that. Um, I thought you had gone. that awkward bit where you where you say you're going to finish. And that's why it's awkward. That's why you've got to just then, rip it. You've like, got to oh, okay, you've got to just do it. And you, it's much oh, actually, better when goodbye. you just do it. It's much better yeah. when you just do it. Um, she has I, actually gone. Is there yeah. anything you want to say after she's left? Like like uh, you know, follow, subscribe. Uh, no, Ben. No, we can't. No, like a thing that we can actually. Rec- oh fuck's sake! All right, fine, fine. You stop it. No, it's fine. We, that's fine. We've done it. No, it doesn't matter, no. Hello again. Um, just me this time. I just want to say uh, thank you for listening all the way to the end, firstly. But secondly, I just wanted to point out that there was a bit of slight awkwardness with the way that ended. So it wasn't actually any fault of Madeline's, but there was the technical issue where her track got cut off so we said thank you to Madeline and that was all just normal uh, but then there was like no response and I thought that actually that sounded a bit weird in the end but there's nothing I can do about it just the, the recording just doesn't exist I don't know what's happened so um just rest assured it all just ended fine and nice and it was all just normal and we don't need to worry about it all right um that's fine um but anyway yeah um, follow us at UnravelPod on Twitter um Thank you. Goodbye.